Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This week, I don't know, like last week, probably like next week, there's a lot to talk about. And I, of course, I'm going to start with a listener question, but I want to let you know that on the most recent episode of Ghost of a Podcast, episode 125, I unpacked interceptions and was really shocked and surprised by how many responses I got to that episode and how many of you are actually really interested in the topic of interceptions and how they show up in your birth chart. So first of all, I just want to say a tip of my hat to you, you nerds, for being so interested in the mechanics of astrology. And also, I want to say this before I get into the listener question, which is about interceptions. Now, what I'm going to say is about inherited issues, inherited trauma, and even your ancestors. And it's from my perspective as an astrologer. And I want to just preface this by saying there's a lot of different spiritual viewpoints about ancestry and inherited conditions. And, you know, there's lots of different ways of framing that idea of inherited conditions. My way is not the only way. Uh, if my my perspective or my way in any way contradicts with your convictions and beliefs and attitudes, that's cool. We don't have to agree. My attitude towards inherited issues and ancestors and all that kind of good stuff really comes from my work as an astrologer. I just want to just like lay all that out because there's a lot of religions and spiritual value systems that have well-defined theories and values and perspectives on the dead and on our ancestors and how to hold them and all that. There's lots of paths to divinity. There's lots of paths basically to the same destination. And whatever path resonates for you is your path. It doesn't have to be what resonates for me. Now, As you know, I'm also a medium, which means I have the ability to communicate with the dead. And, you know, a lot of my values and perspectives are also, of course, deeply impacted by that. But, you know, you and I can have completely different takes on it. And that doesn't mean that one of us is wrong. Honestly, it just doesn't. It could, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. So that might make it sound more complicated to you or it might make it sound a little more easy. Either way, it's my truth. And that's what I'm leading with. So what really crystallized for me, reading all of your questions about intercept issues, is that it seems that many of you are of the mind that having an inherited issue, even an inherited trauma, is a bad thing. Or that you're of the mind that if you are a parent and you have handed down some sort of familial issue or personal issue, that that's bad. As an astrologer, I can't help but say there's no such thing as a chart without trauma. doesn't exist. Every chart has Pluto, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus, the heavy hitters of astrology. There's a way that we in our modern, especially our modern Western world, can forget that we are really interconnected to our family. Whether or not we talk to our family, we like our family, we love our family, we were raised by our family, we are interconnected. So science calls it genes. We are interconnected by our genes. Um, from a spiritual perspective, I would use a different word than genes. I would say, you know, we are, we are just part of a lineage. 
And there's a way that inherent in that truth, if you accept it to be a truth, we inevitably all have inherited issues. We all, if we become parents, will pass down our shit and our shine and our gifts and all that kind of stuff. But we are interconnected. And there is no reason to be surprised that you have an inherited issue in your birth chart. I mean, you can't be a person without one. There is no reason to be surprised or scared if you have passed down an issue to your child or your children. There's just no way of avoiding it. It's part of being a human. It's just a part of being a human. And within that, I will say, especially to my younger listeners, people in their 30s and 20s, if you are low-key obsessed, super dedicated to the concept of ancestors, and you think about ancestors a lot, and you talk about them a lot, and you're invested in them a lot, but you don't actually have old people in your life, I want to just point that out. We don't want to idealize our, quote, ancestors, because our ancestors are just people who happen to have be older than us or died. And when we hold people on a pedestal, right, when we, when we idealize what they were or what they are, then we're not seeing them clearly and we're not able to show up clearly. So I want to just really ground you into this. <laughs> Sorry if it's a boner killer. And again, you don't have to agree with me on any, any of this or all of it. But I want to just really slow you down and ground you into if you're a person, you will fail a lot. You will make mistakes all the damn time. You will hurt yourself. You will hurt others. You will have unevolved ideas and feelings. You will be stubborn and refuse to learn. You will also, if you do the work, heal and open up and evolve. However, much like all of your ancestors and everyone that came before you, we are a product of so many things. We are a product of the time we live in. We are a product of our circumstances. We are a product of the people who raised us, dumb luck, and we're a product of our choices. And all of those things are reflected in the birth chart and by astrology in general. They are not created by astrology, or maybe they are, I don't know, chicken or egg. For me personally, I don't care which is the chicken, which is the egg. I value them both. And I've got to work with them both. And that's kind of how I approach this stuff. So when you see interceptions in your birth chart, or you determine you have inherited issues, or you have a relationship to your ancestors that is conflictual, or that is inspired, all of it. Don't be surprised. It just means you're a human person. That's it. And I don't mean to make it less special. I just want to say it is a part of the human condition. All of this stuff is a part of the human condition. And also within that, it is not your job or even your right to heal other people's shit. You just need to honor your truth and heal your shit. And that has an impact on your inherited line. It doesn't change what came before you, but it does change what comes next. And if you are a parent and you are trying to heal yourself for your child and not for you, that can have a meaningful effect. However, it will show up in the child's birth chart that they had a parent who did not center themselves, but instead only centered others. Because the truth is, 
I can carry your shit for you for a long time, for a really long time in a healthy way. But there will come a moment where some transit will hit or some shit will go down and I will need both hands to carry my own shit. And at that point, you will find there is an inequity, that there is a problem because it's not appropriate to only heal for others. It's not sustainable, not because it's bad, not because it's good, but because it's not sustainable. It's okay to have that be your initial motivation. But if it's your sole or primary motivation, eventually uh, the wheels will come off of that thing. We are tomorrow's ancestors, like for even those of us who don't have kids, right? I'm an astrologer, so I'm in the business of looking at the future. That's just my, it's my damn job and it's my passion in many ways. But I can tell you that the future is unknowable. It is unknowable because it consists of choices that you have yet to make. So what you can do in this moment is strive to be your very best self, to unpack your motivations, to unpack your intentions, to unpack your pain and and the lies you tell yourself out of fear or insecurity or egoism and entitlement, whatever it is. All you can do is this moment because when you do this moment, then you are essentially laying a more sustainable and beautiful groundwork for your future. And your future self will have an easier time making healthy and wonderful choices, new choices, because you've paved that way. But when we obsess on the future, what will happen? How can I prepare for this? Or when we idealize the past, our own past, somebody else's past, our ancestors, then we're not dealing with the very real sticky material stuff that we need to deal with, our psychology, our emotional health, our choices, and the consequences that they all bear. Stepping off my little soapbox, let me step into this week's question. Now, I got a question from a parent, and it says this. I listened to the hot take on interceptions this morning over some coffee, and of course, I started looking at my chart and then the charts of my family members, and I realized that my son has four intercepted signs in his chart with six planets plus the north and south node in those signs. He's little, and so my DH and I have many years to fuck him up. Now, I had to look up what a DH is. It means dear husband or darling husband, according to the internet. Now, it's possible that this questioner actually meant like donkey heart or some other weird thing that I've never heard of, but I'm going to assume that what this person means is dear husband. But here we go. However, I like to think of myself as a supportive and sensitive parent. I know he'll come out of the other end of childhood with some hangups about something or other, but I'm a little alarmed by this chart and what it suggests about my parenting of my son. I'm also concerned about him. I also have the Pisces Virgo interception in my chart, and I've been trying these past years, honestly kicked off by his birth, to embrace myself and reckon with my childhood, aided by astrology. What habits or tendencies indicated in my chart do I need to face or cultivate to help this little person have a healthy childhood? What does this chart indicate he needs for me and his father? Thank you for all your do. Your work has been a big help. So mom's birth information is July 4th, 1983 in LA at 1013 p.m. And the son's information, baby boy's information is April 26th, 2017 in Boston, Massachusetts at 3.12 a.m. And DH, she didn't share that stuff, which is interesting, which is part of the issue, I'm guessing. But anyways, here's the first thing. So in this case, let's, let's just talk about mom's chart. Mom has the sign Pisces intercept the first house and the sign Virgo intercept the seventh. 
Now, here's the thing. It is impossible to have a sign intercept a house and not have the opposite sign be intercept the opposite house. So in other words, you don't have two interceptions. You have one interception. It just shows up in two houses. Whatever happens in houses one through six, you can look at its opposite house, uh, and that would be seven through 12, and see the exact same degrees of the opposite signs. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when I pulled up this chart, I do not see four intercept signs. I see two intercept signs, the exact two that you have, mom. Your son has Pisces intercept the first house and Virgo intercept the seventh house. So the exact same thing. You know, it's possible that you're using a different house system than Campanus houses. And maybe you do have four interceptions with a different house system. That seems unlikely, but possible. Now, Having reiterations in a birth chart between parent and child is very normal. Having similarities in your birth chart to people that you're close friends with, people that you're family with is very normal. And it's because you resonate with people for a fucking reason. Because you resonate, right? So there's that. That's one thing to really pay attention to. The interceptions in your son's chart could be interpreted in a lot of different ways. And honestly, I do need a husband's birth information to really know fully what it's about because you're not the only parent. However, when I look at your son's chart, I see that he has both Neptune in the first house intercept, but also a Chiron-Venus conjunction. And so I can't help but wonder, looking at this chart, if you end up doing a lot of the labor in the house and that it's kind of uh, branded as equal in the house. So I'm not talking about parenting. I'm talking about like managing the house, maintaining the house, that kind of thing. I wonder if the branding you have in your relationship is that, you know, you're both very equal and, you know, very modern and maybe very feminist, but that actually you have very traditional roles and that these very traditional roles aren't really working for you, mom, for you. And instead of owning that and looking at that, there is a tendency within the family to pretend it's not happening. And if we are, as adult parents, in denial about something, which, spoiler alert, almost every adult is in, in denial about something, at least for a period of time in your life. But if you are in denial about something, especially something that has a trigger from childhood, if you're in denial anywhere between a year before birth until seven years old of your child's life, then it's going to show up in your child's chart. And you don't need to feel guilty about that. You're a person. This is where you're at. You know, you wanted to call a soul into your life and to nurture and care for that child. Well, here are some of the consequences, you know. And it's not, I don't mean to be flippant or cavalier, but I do mean to say, we don't want to overthink it. You know what I mean? I have a little bit of an attitude that goes like this. Water is wet. Children inherit your shit. That's it. Now, we can talk about how intense it is that water is wet and how other things are wet and et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is we want to start with acceptance and keeping it really simple so that you don't freak yourself out, much like in your question, you're saying you're freaked out, you're alarmed, you're like, holy shit, my child has an inherited issue. Yeah, but of course your child has an inherited issue. What we are seeing in you that is tricky to hold is what is your place in your relationship? Because we're talking about the first and seventh houses, right? You're really sensitive. And it's not always easy for you to assert and lead with 
your sensitivities because you don't want to be deemed too sensitive. And so if I'm reading this correctly, then if you've been feeling sensitive since your child has come into this world or right before your child has come into this world around the role that you're playing as, quote, the woman in the relationship, maybe you're not actually verbalizing it or maybe you're verbalizing it, but you're not actually holding your ground around it. That's what your child's chart suggests and that it actually hurts you. You don't like it, but you're not sure if you're overreacting and you're not sure how to uh, remedy the situation. So maybe you like maintaining the house and cooking and cleaning and all that stuff half the time and the other half the time you really don't. Your son's chart does not suggest that you have resentments. It suggests that you have pain. There's a difference. I want to just really acknowledge just because you love your child, just because you see things clearly, you cognitively understand things, doesn't mean you have healed and emotionally integrated. That's okay. I definitely encourage you to have lots of conversations with your son over time about gender and gender roles and to speak outside of the binary. But chances are high that you and or your husband have kind of binary gender values, right? There's boy and there's girl and girls act like this and boys act like that. I want to encourage you to leave a lot of room for your little boy to have gender expression that surprises you and is uncomfortable for you. I would encourage you to not only buy him quote unquote boy things, buy him girl things too. Really think about creating a gender neutral childhood for this child. And honestly, when I look at your chart, I don't know that that will be super easy. And I don't know if that's because of your partner or if that's because of your values. But I do encourage you to find ways of holding space for the fluidity of gender, both in your life and in your son's life. But let me say this. Your question asks, what do you need to face in order to give your child a healthy childhood? Having an interception in your chart, having intercept planets, even having a totally jacked up, complicated, fucked up chart (laughs) doesn't mean you have an unhealthy childhood, right? That's not inherently what it means. It certainly can mean that. But what it often means is the way that you wanted love is not how your parents or guardians loved you. The way that somebody, something tragic befell the family, or something difficult happened, like, I don't know, a global pandemic, or what whatevs, or what whatevs, right? So I want to just really hold space for the complexity of what it means to be a person, of what it means to be a child, of what it means to be part of a lineage, of a family line of inherited issues, of what it means to co-parent, right? Because not all of this is on you. Some of this is on your husband. Having struggles doesn't mean you have an unhealthy childhood. It just doesn't mean that. And having interception certainly doesn't mean that. We all have things in our lives, in our relationships, and in ourselves that are not especially healthy, that are not optimal. That's just part of being a person. So the more generous you can be around that while still, you know, actively engaging and doing the work and doing your best and growing and evolving, uh, the easier your life gets, the healthier your life gets. Support Black youth-led movements right now. The Minnesota Freedom Fund pays criminal bail and immigration bonds for those who cannot afford it as they seek to end discriminatory, coercive, and oppressive jailing. They work with National Lawyers Guild and Legal Rights Center. There is an urgent need for supplies and support out in the field. 
please connect to the groups doing the work. And some of those are Black Visions Collective, Reclaim the Block, Twin Cities Coalition for Justice for Jamar, and North Star Health Collective of Medics. Love now, peace later. If you want the link to any of these organizations, they will be in the show notes. Give what you can. I love astrology. Don't you love astrology? We're going to look at the week of July 19th through the 25th of 2020. There's not too many transits happening, but they're important. And I want to remind you that Mercury is still forming this fucking stupid, annoying square to Mars. It will be exact on the 27th of July. But in the meantime, are you annoyed? Are you irritated? Are you having a visceral experience of this transit. So a visceral experience of this transit would be finding yourself kind of like really accident prone, just like bumping into shit, really impatient, having muscle issues, uh, maybe, I don't know, like injuries with your hands, uh, sensitivities with your lungs or your speech, physical stuff, real physical stuff. Um, This transit, if it hits your chart in any way, or if you are a person who's ruled by Mercury, in other words, a person who has a lot of Gemini or Virgo in your birth chart, Yeah, you're likely to be feeling really fucking annoyed right now, you know, or maybe you're not feeling annoyed. It's just that other people are annoying. (laughs) Maybe you're having to deal with somebody who's really irritable. While it is not an exact transit at this time, this whole damn month is influenced by this particular transit. And this is unusual, whilst also being unpleasant. If you are feeling these kinds of feelings, this irritability and restlessness and agitation and accident proneness and all the things, that's the negative side. Now, I will say the positive is you may find your voice in July under this transit. This transit can coincide with finally having the fire under your ass that you need to say what needs to be said to finally like activate something that needs activation. That's the positive. So you don't want to forget the exact date of this transit, which was July 8th, and it's coming back on the 27th. So really keep in mind that whatever was going on on and around the 8th is going to come on back for you. And in the middle of it all, between these, you know, these two dates, you're in it for a reason. Everything happens for a damn reason. It's not always a good reason, but it's always a reason. Seek the reason. That brings us to the first transit I want to tell you about for the week which is a new moon in Cancer on the 20th. Now, this is our second new moon in Cancer. And usually every year we have a new moon only once a year in each individual sign. So when we have a second new moon in Cancer, that's kind of exciting and noteworthy. Take a moment if you can. You might even want to pause the podcast for a second just to like look in your dear diary or whatevs. On June 21st, we had a solar eclipse, which is also a new moon, right? And it was at like zero degrees of Cancer. During that new moon in Cancer, you want to really notice what was coming up for you, what was starting to develop internally in your home and in your innermost uh, psychology and emotionality and relationships. Wherever you have Cancer in your chart is going to get hit by this new moon, just like that new moon. It's a big moment. Pay attention to the themes that were up and it will give you a sense of the evolution you are engaged in. We're always engaged in our own evolution. Sometimes we're engaged in a way where we've put the blanket over our head and we've like hunkered down and we're watching our phone in the dark in a corner hiding. That's, you know, it's still engaged in evolution. It's just actively trying to block it. 
So we are in a state of evolution. How is it that you are changing? How is it that you are healing? How has your emotional relationship to yourself, to your life, to your duties, how have those things evolved since June 21st? How have they not? This is not a bad or good thing. Don't get into judging yourself or judging other people, I beg of you. Instead, bring awareness and presence to whatever it is that is happening so that through your awareness and presence, you can make compassionate, sustainable, kind, and even generous choices. It's really nice to be generous. It feels good whether you're being generous to yourself or to others. This new moon in Cancer on the 20th, it will be exact at 10.33 a.m. Pacific time. New moons, they're lovely. Everyone likes a goddamn new moon. You want to manifest. You want (laughs) to activate. You want to align your feelings and your intentions. And you want to make sure that they are reflective of the biggest and brightest part of your light. That's in general. Now, unfortunately, for this particular new moon, it is marked by Saturn. Oh, yes, Saturn. He who has brought you Sisyphus's ball. He who has brought you all the murdered boners, all the dental appointments of your life. Saturn. Saturn is responsibility. It is weight. Saturn governs a sense of existential isolation. It can be related to feelings of fear and low self-esteem. It can also be related to sense of melancholy. You know, Saturn governs depression and depressiveness. So this new moon is not a great one for doing manifestation work. This is not an especially fertile new moon. And whenever I say this on the podcast, I get flooded by DMs from people and emails from people being like, but can I do manifestation work? You can do whatever you want. I am not telling you what to do here. What I'm doing is I'm giving you information as an astrologer that you can use or ignore at your leisure. When I say to you, it's not a great time for manifestation, I want to encourage you to then check in with yourself. Does that feel wrong to you? If it feels wrong to you, girl, ignore me. And if it feels right, if you're like, oh, yeah, there doesn't feel like a great deal of flow of energy. Okay, then there's other things you can do. We don't always have to be manifesting, right? There's, in fact, a need for us to not always be manifesting. It is not always the summertime. We are not always meant to pluck fruit from the trees and sniff upon the rose on the bush. No, sometimes it's just not a lot going on. It's not a harvest time. It doesn't mean you're not growing. It doesn't mean you're not evolving. So with this particular new moon, Saturn is like, slow down, take stock. Saturn wants us to prune. It wants us to cut back. It doesn't really want us to innovate something new, especially not something that is not directly connected to what you're already doing. When we have oppositions like this. We have a sun-moon conjunction in the sign of Cancer sitting opposite Saturn, which is sitting very close to Pluto and Jupiter, TBH. And what we have whenever we have these oppositions is the potential for projecting our shit out onto people and situations. It is also possible that other people will project their shit out upon us. Boo-hoo. It sucks. So basically, this is a powerful opportunity for you to take responsibility for how you feel. And that can look 
like a lot of different things. There's a man named Viktor Frankl, and he's a Holocaust survivor who became a psychologist and wrote a bunch of books. And there's a quote of his that says, everything can be taken from a person, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. And when I look at the astrology of this particular opposition, this particular new moon, I want to say this is a powerful time for developing, truly developing and owning emotional maturity because Saturn governs mastery, governs maturity, and cancer is your feels, it's your emotions. And so as much as possible, really challenge yourself to be an adult, to be mature in your responses, to honor the ways in which maybe your inner child is wanting to, you know, act out or, you know, negatively obsess or to be petty and mean, but to really show up as the adult you fucking want to be, to be the kind of person you think we need more of. And you know what? That's going to look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people because we all are living our own unique birth charts, right? What you need to do is live in accordance with your values, your ethics, and your truth based on where you're at at this moment. But to understand that you do not exist in a vacuum and your wellness, when and if it comes at the expense of others, it's not real wellness. It is the hardest to embody emotional maturity when you're scared and when you feel like shit. It's the easiest to act out or to be self-indulgent when you feel badly about yourself, when you feel insecure, when you're comparing yourself to others, it's really important that you align yourself with the person you want to be, even if you're surrounded by dumbasses. You know what I mean? There can just be asshats all around you, but that doesn't mean you have to be an asshat. These are difficult times. I mean, it's always difficult, but these are truly difficult times. Truly the measure of a person's character, it becomes clear when times are tough when the chips are down. And that's because it's so much easier to be generous when you're surrounded by abundance. And when you're in pain, or you are really in lack, it's much harder to be kind and to be generous to others and to yourself. But that's what we need it is literally what we need. And so during this transit, you may become confronted with things you don't have resources you don't have, you may simply feel bereft or down. Worry can really get at you. And for some people, this transit, especially if you have something around 28 degrees, 29 degrees of any of the cardinal signs, that's Cancer, Capricorn, Aries, or Libra, you know, you may find yourself confronted with some sort of a loss or way in which you failed, you know, mistake you made, the consequences of a mistake. The only way to really fail in life, IMO, is to not learn anything from whatever it is that's happening. It's okay to falter. And if you find that, you know, uh-oh, I like shit the bed here, you know, uh, during this transit, I want to encourage you to be humble as you take responsibility. That's what Saturn wants you to do. Do it for Saturn. It'll help you. It'll help you a lot. If you're scared of failing, if you find yourself consumed by fear or insecurity, know that what Saturn wants of us is to take responsibility. And what a new moon in Cancer wants of us is to be emotionally present for it, to be kind and to be nurturing to ourselves and to others. 
All of this cancer energy, the sun, moon, and cancer, wants a sense of family, you know? And so many of us are isolated right now from social distancing or quarantine times. If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling alone, whether it's like a spiritual condition or an actual material condition, reach out to people who are supportive. Now, that might look like, you know, going to like a spiritual service online. It might look like calling up all of your relatives and just being like, hey, how are you? Sending you love. Even if you've been working on uncovering and clearing out trauma, you know, it might actually be really valuable for you to touch base with people. You might not. But it's Saturn, and Saturn wants us to deal with our elders. In fact, you may be dealing with some consequences of older people in your life, regardless of your age. And this could be related to kind of like patriarchal figures, but eh, it may not be. It's basically just people who uh, are kind of taskmasters in your life now or they once were. So that could be any number of people of any number of genders. Uh, So yeah, that's what's happening with this new moon. It's not especially easy. It's not especially flowy, but it is very fucking useful. This new moon, while it isn't light, is an opportunity for you to solidify something inside of you or in your life. And you might need to ask for help. You might need to return to basics in some way in your approach to things. No harm, no foul. And if that's the case, I want to say you don't need to be mad at yourself for needing to simplify or take a step back. Hold space for your learning curve. Hold space for the ways in which your own evolution, which is not meant to be linear, is occurring, right? Saturn wants things to be linear. Luckily, cancer does not need them to be linear because cancer is a sign that very much exists in the realm of the tides, of ebb and of flow. Align with that sun and moon in cancer. Be in the ebb and flow of your own process and your own progress and be responsible to it without needing to crush it in that terrible Saturn way or overindulge it in a way that absolves you of responsibility in the short term. And spoiler alert, creates a lot worse consequences in the long term. Now, on the 22nd, there's a real big shift in energy where we have the sun leaving the sign of cancer and moving into Leo. In other words, it's Leo season. With the sun in Leo, and as we all know, Mars in Aries, we can expect things to be energized, to be activated. It's a lot of fire energy, right? And so this is actually a really activated and activating time for you to get shit done. However, this is my weekly reminder to wear a fucking mask. Just wear a mask. Wear it all the damn time. I want to encourage you to be incredibly considerate, just ridiculously considerate, like a person with something to prove when you are in public and even when you're in private. I am hearing just over and over again, just just countless stories about people acting as though it is not a pandemic. You know what? COVID-19 is not contagious only from people you don't like or know. It's also contagious from people you do know. You know, so if you have a pod, a group of people that you socialize with and, you know, you're super chill with or whatever, that is fucking wonderful. But you all better agree upon the terms and be honest and reliable about maintaining the terms of your pod. Do you know what I'm saying? Because we will have Sun and Leo and Mars and Aries 
That is a lot of fire energy. And fire catches, right? It spreads. So in the context of a pandemic, that's not the greatest news. Now, I've got something else to say about the 22nd of July, and that's that on that same day, we have an exact Mercury sextile to Uranus. What a fucking fantastic transit this is. It's all about figuring things out, making connections. Uh, You know, it's a great transit for friendships, for just connecting with people and having like fun interactions, whether that's digitally or in person. Hopefully it's a little more digital or you're just swathed in masks and such and thus. This transit is great for writing for figuring things out, for innovating or uh, coming up with solutions. This is a great transit. It's really exciting. That said, it's, you know, it's not the strongest transit in the world. So you may or may not feel it depending on what's going on. But if you are deep in the work with this new moon in Cancer on the 20th, it's nice to know that on the 22nd, we will have this exact transit. You'll be feeling it very lightly on the 20th, but you will be feeling it on the 21st. Uh, So yeah, it's nice to know that it's happening. And it's nice to know that it's happening so that you can kind of go deep inside of yourself. You do the work, you get, you get heavy, you know, you stay with the heaviness. And then you open yourself up on the 22nd. You journal the fuck out of it. You talk to your your shrink or your psychic or whatever your flavor is. You connect with your friends. You, you like share whatever it is that came up for you during that new moon. This is the time for making connections and making sense of things. When you're in that new moon energy on the 20th, it's not the time for making connections and making sense of things. It's a time for being in it. You don't always have to tell a fucking story about your experience. Sometimes you just need to be in your experience. I know. It's not very Instagrammable, but whatever. It is what it is. It is what it is. Now, my loves, I want to thank you for once again joining me for another week of Ghost of a Podcast. I appreciate all of your love and support. And I, yeah, I just can't, I can't thank you enough for being on this damn journey with me, this journey of life. As always, if you're getting value from this podcast, I invite you to join me on Patreon and learn to write with me and get extra astrology from me and write a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet grabbed my book, Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along, honestly, I think it's exciting for you because if you haven't read it yet, that means you have this exciting thing in front of you to do. Read my goddamn book. (laughs) You can buy it wherever books are sold. You can also listen to it. You can get an audiobook and then hear this old voice say, meow, 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 book, book, book. What do you think of that? Huh? Huh? Anywhere books are sold. Bye. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here. Yeah, we're still here.